I really like, I mean, uh, Mike had on a, had a pocket square and um, Rob was dressed for prom. This is, uh, I love Easter. Let me just say that. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I, 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 I've never done this before, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I, I've, uh, because some of you may be in the middle of a storm. And, uh, and there's something that, that I'm actually involved in that is very, very life-affirming. Uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned uh, any of the, announced any, any of the plays that I've been in that weren't here. But I'm in one this week, uh, and there's only two performances. It's a Thursday night and a Saturday afternoon. And if you're interested, you can talk to me afterwards. It's a group called Blacklight Theater Company, and they're doing a production of The Wizard of Oz. And they have four actors that they have brought in. Uh, and, and I'm the great and powerful wizard, of course. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, all of the rest of the actors are special needs adults. And uh, like I say, it's a very life-affirming experience. Uh, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of um, um, uh, prompting and cues given going on on stage and stuff. But there's four Dorothys, there's four Tin Men, uh, you know, it's just, so if that's something you'd be interested in, you can talk to me afterwards. I'll give you, give you some more information about that. Uh, good to be here. Yeah. Stand with me. Let's, uh, let's read a passage from the book of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead once and for all. And so, Father, I pray that you, uh, that you would invade this place by the Holy Spirit, and I don't just mean this room. I mean our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we were, uh, when we were in Zimbabwe, the last two years we were there, the man who filled the pulpit of Northside Community Church, where we attended, was Peter Griffiths. And he was the first, uh, he was the first uh, person I had ever sat under who manuscripted his sermons. That is, he wrote them out during the week, and then on Sunday, he read them to us. And, uh, you know, I'd always thought that that was kind of like, uh, that's cheating, uh, just, just to be honest. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, how can the Holy Ghost be in that? But it sure was. I mean, Peter was gifted both to write the sermons and to read them, and the presence of the Holy Spirit would be there. Uh, and, and not just that day. I mean, as we'd leave, I'd have stuff to chew on basically all week. Um, I do remember one Sunday, though, him saying that when he first entered the ministry, there was uh, an, an older minister who had shared with him, said, be sure to manuscript your sermons, because if you'll do that, after two years, you'll never have to write another sermon again. Now, uh, this was some, fortunately, I, I don't know if I would have been quite as inspired by that man uh, if I had sat under his, uh, his manuscripted sermons. Fortunately, this was, several, this was like 30 years into Peter's ministry, and he was still writing sermons every, every week. That was, uh, that was his thing. Uh, this is my 31st year to fill a pulpit on Easter Sunday morning. And I, it's, a, it's a privilege. It just really is. Uh, over the years, I've approached this, this particular day from, uh, from different angles. But as I've read back over, and, and there was a brief time when I manuscripted my sermons. Oh, good grief. Most of you weren't here then, and it's, you, you might not be here now if you had been here then. Uh, but uh, uh, over the last couple of decades or so, I mean, I found out that outlines actually just work better for me. But uh, each year at Easter, though, I, I'll, I'll go back and look over the outlines of previous years. And uh, maybe even if I'm really bored, I'll read one of the manuscripted sermons that I wrote. But uh, I've discovered that they're really all the same sermon. Uh, usually, uh, I bring a teaching on Sunday designed to uh, e equip believers to mature in their, in their walk in, in the faith. But Easter's different. Um, Easter's a different situation, a different crowd. Uh, there are more unbelievers uh, who come on Easter. And, you know, they probably think they're here because uh, somebody in the family's here or their girlfriend came or, or something like that, and they finally decided to go to church with them. Uh, you're actually here because the Holy Spirit brought you here. That, that's why you're here. You may not know that, but that's, that is why you're here. Uh, and then there are also uh, more people than usual who aren't really all that concerned with uh, maturing in their walk in the faith. Uh, and and let, me, let me just say that if, if you're one of those people who, you know, only shows up a couple times a year or maybe just once a year, uh, and you're offended by the fact that I, that I said that, uh, you're probably offended by the fact that I said that uh, since you only show up once or twice a year, you're not really all that concerned about your walk in the faith. I didn't say that. I, I said some people who only show up at this time are offended. Now, if you're offended by that, you're probably one of those people. <laughs> but you know, if you're, if you're okay with it and you're kind of going, yeah, you know, I don't go to church much, but I'm really serious about my walk with Jesus, well, praise God, uh, you know, um, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not judging you. Uh, but even the faithful need to be drawn back to keep the main thing the main thing. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the main thing. The, the truth of the, of the faith rests or falls on the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says over in, in 
Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. That's it. End of, end of, we're all wasting our time being here if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Everything boils down to this question. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Christianity, listen to me now, Christianity is not about where you stand on certain issues. It's not about whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It's not about how you, what you think about homosexuals or what you think about abortion or what you think about taxes or what you think about. It's not about those things. It is about a person. And that person actually isn't you. That person, that person is, is Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus whom Christians believe hold to be the Christ, the chosen, the, the Holy One of God. And there are many things that we believe about Jesus, Christians believe about Jesus, and we even agree on some of those things. <laughs> but three, three things are paramount. Three things are essential in terms of what we believe about Him. And one of those three things is that He's the only begotten Son of God. And what that means is he's unique. He is the unique expression of God to mankind. Others have come. Uh, some we would be comfortable acknowledging. You know, Moses, Isaiah, Jonah. Might not be quite as comfortable acknowledging Jonah, but yeah, he came. Uh, some that maybe we might not be as comfortable acknowledging, but others, others have come to reveal to reveal God, but none of them rose from the dead. He is, he is that validated him as the unique expression. We believe he is the only begotten son of God. And then secondly, the essential thing is that you have to believe, we believe that he died on the cross for our sins. Uh, most people who died on the cross, in fact, most people who are executed by the state are executed because of something they did, uh, because they did something wrong. They did something worthy of, uh, of capital punishment. And um, fortunately, through the years, that's changed a little bit. I don't think that happens too often to people for stealing a loaf of bread. But anyway, uh, people, people were executed. That wasn't why Jesus was hung on the cross. And sometimes we get it wrong. I mean, sometimes people are executed because we, just, we got the wrong person. We made a mistake. But Jesus did not die on the cross for anything he did, and, we, and he didn't die on the cross because it was a mistake. He died on the cross for our sins. He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for us. That's why it happened. So we believe he's the only begotten son of God. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins, not for anything he did or because it was a mistake. And then we believe he rose from the dead. He physically rose from the dead. There's a lot of things in, there are a lot of things in, in, in the Bible that are metaphorical. Uh, I'll, I'll, in fact, as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned to, uh, really appreciate metaphor. Metaphor can be stronger than, uh, than literal because literal only means what 
it literally says. Metaphor means what it literally says, and it means much more at the same time. So I'm okay with that. But his, his, his resurrection was not, uh, was not, a, not a metaphor. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just a, a resuscitation, you see. Um, yeah, there have been people who've been presumed dead and, and come back. Uh, in fact, um, a couple of hundred years ago, if you could afford it, when they buried you, they'd put a bell over your, over your, over your grave. And the bell would have a cord running down to the um, um, casket that you were in, just in case, just in case... They made a mistake, you know, and, and once you woke up, if you found yourself in a, in a dark, cold place, you could pull that cord and, and, and a bell would ring and they'd go, uh, there's something going on there. Hence the term dead ringer, which, which is, that's, that's, that's where that came from, actually. And some have been brought back miraculously. Lazarus, I mean, Jesus brought some people back from the dead. But they all return to the grave except one. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we believe. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a, has a quote that's somewhat famous. says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Um, the institutional church is a big organization. And so it can be moderately important. And in fact, it is moderately important. I mean, whether you attend it or don't attend it, uh, hospitals, schools, all testify to its, its importance on the good side. You know, historically, there are a lot of wars and stuff that can testify to its importance on, on the bad side. But it's important, but it's only moderately important. Christianity is not an organization. It is an expression of faith. And if that expression of faith isn't based on truth, then it's irrelevant. Then it really doesn't matter at all. The essential question that shapes our response to all of life is this. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? That's, that's, that's the question. If he didn't, then hopefully the Easter Bunny came to visit you today. And at least you got something out of it. If he did, then it's the most important thing, period. End of discussion, world without end. Most important thing that has ever happened in your life and, and for the cosmos. Occasionally things can be overhyped. I don't, that may come as a shock to some of you. But occasionally things can be overhyped. There, there is no vacuum cleaner that will change your life. When we, uh, when we, when we built our house uh, 15, 16 years ago, it's out in the woods. And so there were, there were a couple things we decided we need to splurge on this. And the only thing that I brought to the table that went, we're splurging on this, was gutter guard. Because I, my, my parents, uh, their house was, was surrounded by a bunch of trees, and I would clean out those gutters and clean out those gutters and clean out. Go, uh-uh, no, this boy's going to get old someday. I ain't getting on that ladder and cleaning out those gutters. Gutter guard, we got to have it. 
And, and there, was a, there was a friend of ours who sold Gutter Guard, and he got us a good deal on it. But he said, you know, man, it's just crazy. I'll, I'll go and, uh, to people, and I'll, I'll sell this to them, and, and I'll go back and check on them a year or so later, and they'll just go, man, it's, this is wonderful. This is fabulous. He goes, it's gutters. It's just gutters. Doesn't really change your life. Let me, let me also, I, I, I hate to drop this bomb. This is, spoiler alert. The final installment of Star Wars will not issue in a new era. It will not reveal the meaning of life to anybody who goes and sees it. And next week, the NFL draft in Nashville. You know, I, if I were younger, I might, I might brave that crowd just to go down there and boo Roger Goodell. But I, at, my, at my age, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'll, I'll sit at home and boo him. Except Thursday night, I'm in a play. So I won't be able to do it that night. Uh, but there was a day when they just, a bunch of guys got together in a room and used a blackboard. I mean, that's how important that is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot be overhyped. Not, not at all. It is the fulcrum point from which the lever of our faith gives us the ability to move heaven and earth. There are three responses to the question, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? And the first response is, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. That's, that's just so silly. You know, uh, the resurrection is just a collection of made-up stories designed to, to deceive. And, you know, that's a, that's a hypothesis that needs to, be, needs to be looked at, needs to be examined. Uh, my first question to that would be, deceive whom and to what end? Uh, you know, why? The disciples were not and had no aspirations of being uh, big-time evangelists flying around the world on jets or, or whatever the equivalent was in, uh, in, in their day. That, that, that really wasn't in their mind, I don't believe. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar has, has a song in it that I've always found, always found funny. Uh, some people find it blasphemous. I, I find it funny. But uh, it's the Apostles' song, and they're singing it. On the, on the night before, uh, right before Gethsemane, they're singing it at the Lord's Supper. And, and, they go, and they're going, Always hoped that I'd be an apostle. Knew that I could make it if I tried. So when we retire, we can write the Gospels and they'll still talk about us when we die. And you know, like I say, some people are offended by that. I go, look, when, when, Tim, when Tim Rice wrote those lines, he, he thought it was because that's absurd. That's, that's, totally, that's totally absurd. You know, always hope that I'd be an apostle. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, a first century guy going, man, I hope that I, I can work for Google someday. You know, I want to I wanna be a hacker. That's what I want to be. You know, they had no idea what an apostle was. When, he, when we retire, we can write the Gospels? Come on. No, I don't think so. Well, if you believe that the followers were simply opportunists, uh, and, and, and from the beginning they joined in with Jesus in order to 
what? Change the world, uh, maybe defeat the Romans, uh, start a new religion, you know, something like that. Then you're going to have to deal with the fact that opportunity, when it comes disguised as a peasant, itinerant preacher from Nazareth, is not a very enticing offer. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Uh, look into it. No prophet comes from Galilee. That's what they said. Yeah. So, you know, these guys were either dumb enough to fall for something like that and at the same time smart enough to, to create some of the world's greatest literature, fictional literature, uh, or maybe something else. Well, they were biased because they were believers. Yes, they were believers, but why were they believers? They were believers because they saw him raised from the dead. See, these were simple, working-class people who clung to the hope in a, in, a, in a world of despair and clung to the hope that Christ held out to them. And what had the cross done to that hope? Crushed it. You ever had a hope crushed? You ever seriously wanted something only just to see it disappear before your very eyes? You thought that something was going to happen? It didn't. Jesus had said to them the night before, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And boy, was he right. Mary stood outside the tomb and wept. I mean, she had, she had gone inside, and, and this is... Yeah, I, I actually kind of find this a little bit humorous from this side. She goes, she goes into the tomb looking for Jesus, and she sees a guy, you know, dressed up in his Easter finest there, sitting and going, oh, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, yeah, he was crucified. He's gone. He rose from the dead. She goes outside and weeps. The disciples are gathered together, locked behind closed door for fear. Fear of, of the Jewish leaders. And even after Jesus appeared to them, Thomas wasn't there that day. And, and he goes, you know, I, I know you guys all say you saw him, all right, but I won't believe just by seeing him. I got to touch. I got to put my finger into the nail prints. And he said, I got to put my hand into his side before I'll believe. These weren't clever, world-class opportunists. These were regular people who had been bitterly disappointed. And then something happened. Something changed them. Something turned them around. They saw a man who had been, who had been crucified three days prior, who had been, who had been buried, who, who had had a spear driven up under his ribcage into his heart to be sure he was dead. They saw him alive. They ate with him. They listened to him. They, they walked with him. They, they, they talked to him. They touched him. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which, which we have looked at with our eyes, which we have touched and our hands have handled. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. And they were willing to literally give up their lives for their testimony. We saw him. We saw him. So, you know, if, you're, if your answer is not, it didn't, uh, it didn't happen you got some explaining to do. 
maybe some thinking would help. Probably for a lot of people, the answer is, I, I, well, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. That's the politician in us. Now, we despise it in everybody else, but we tend to walk in that an awful lot in, in our lives in a lot of areas. This is the single most important question that you're faced with in life and maybe is not on the drop-down menu. Don't you hate it when you're filling out one of those forms and, and, and you... And, and, you come to one of the one of the questions and you and you click on it and the menu drops down and there's a, some answers there and you don't like any of them maybe is not there maybe is the coward's answer the 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 fearful the unbelieving i almost believed an unresolved maybe is ultimately a resolved no And so, fortunately, there is a third option. You know, there's no, there's maybe, and then there's yes. And when you say yes, when, 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 you, when you're able to go there, it opens up a whole new world. It opens up a, a, a kingdom. You know, how many of you know you're going to die someday? And the rest of you, What? Saw the Easter bunny this morning, right? <laughs> You're going to die someday. It's only a matter of time. And the older you get, the more aware of that you become. And you know, when you're young, you think, oh, that might be 20 years from now. You know when you're knocking on the door of 70, how long 20 years sounds like? <laughs> Not much. Yeah. You're going to leave this life, but will it be with... Fear and anxiety and, and regret or with expectancy, anticipation, maybe even joy. Yeah. Ultimately, today isn't so much about what happened, what may have happened to someone 2,000 years ago. Today is about what's going to happen to you someday. That's really what it's about. John tells us in his gospel that when Mary came and, and broke the news to him, Peter, that Jesus had risen, they, uh, they ran to the tomb together. And, uh, you know, as I point out every year, John makes it very clear that he outran Peter. He's faster than Peter. Peter had a head start. John got there first anyway. Uh, and when they arrived, they saw the evidence they saw that they, they saw the grave clothes left there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, stealing his body is one thing, but stealing his body and not the grave clothes, that's, that's something. Grave clothes were left there. The, the, the napkin that was on his head is folded up and, and, and put there. And they saw the evidence, and Peter walked away doubting, confused, while John believed. Now, why? Why did Peter and John react differently to what they saw? They both saw the same things. They both had been with Jesus. They both had heard Jesus' teaching. They both had seen the miracles and, and all of those things. Well, Peter was dealing with guilt. Peter was dealing with some serious guilt. 
Because just a few days before he had gone, you know, I'll go even to, I'll even lay down my life for you. I'm going to go wherever you go. I've always hoped that I'll be an apostle. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do that. And then a few hours later, he's going, I don't know this guy. When things got tough, I don't know who he is. Sin produces guilt, which wars against faith in our lives. John knew that Jesus loved him, called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. It wasn't a boastful thing. He just, he knew it. He knew it. There are two things people need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the first one is (laughs) faith. Yeah, but belief, uh, the case for him rising from the dead, historically is quite strong. In terms of historical evidence, it's, it's, it's strong, it really is. Uh, and if you can go there, then the other essential tenets, the only begotten Son of God and uh, uh, died on the cross for my sins, if you, if you can go to the resurrection, you can go to those other places, though. They're pretty easy to... They're pretty easy to add to once you get the resurrection. But the second thing is probably the hardest. Does he love me? Will he accept me? Why should he? He does. He will. And the reason why he should is because him loving you and accepting you is not based on who you are or what you've done. It's based on who He is and what He's done. That's the truth. He came to seek and save the lost. And if you're lost, He came to seek and save you. When I I came back to the Lord some 44 years ago, I guess it was now, uh, yeah, 44. In fact, it was right before Easter, 1975. Yeah. Uh, I came across a passage of Scripture that I had read many times uh, when I was younger, and I'd heard preached on and stuff. But man, it hit me big time now. Uh, and it's this. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke that I put on you will be easy. The burden that I give you will be light. Learn from me. I'm humble. I'm I'm lowly. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls. Ultimately, today is not about something that may have happened to somebody 2,000 years ago. Today is about something that is going to happen to you. And what happened to that person 2,000 years ago can change everything about what's going to happen to you. He loves you. He will accept you.